Hey you guys, Coco Moco here with a special episode. It is the reaction to the Love is Blind finale and <clears throat> I filmed it with Grace Report. She has a YouTube channel and a TikTok, but I'd been following her YouTube channel like a couple years ago when I was in college and I was so obsessed with her analysis of shows like reality shows ones that I didn't even watch like Teen Mom but I watched Grace Report's reaction to episodes of Teen Mom just because I liked to hear what she had to say I think she has a really good take on reading people and never dogpiles it's never just like these um you know, vast assumptions that the internet tends to make about people to go viral. I think she's really thoughtful. And that is something that I always admired her about her and that I try to do myself when I am taking on these big topics. Um, and so we recorded this intentionally the day before the wedding episodes came out of Love is Blind because we talk about the different couples and we didn't want to have a bias or like a hindsight 2020 in how we felt about the couples and their dynamics and who was going to last. So we break down all that. We talk about why this specific season of Love is Blind is so much more fascinating than seasons prior, except for I think season one. I think there's a very specific reason and she also brought up things that I didn't even think about. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about the couples. We talk about just other Love is Blind franchises or other reality shows and this idea of them still sometimes going for conventionally attractive people or not, depending on how you view them. So we really, there's so much, I think this is the longest episode that I have ever released because we just talked for so long and I could have talked to her for so many more hours. So I love to have her back on my podcast to break down like Vanderpump Rules and other shows. And maybe I'll go on her channel. So definitely go check out her channel too on YouTube where she does her deep dives. With that being said, I'm going to get into really quick spoiler alert. Fast forward about two minutes if you don't want to hear what couples stayed together. But in now that the episode has come out and I just finished watching it. So you have Chelsea and Kwame said yes at the altar, which I'm so shocked about. I felt like the edit the last couple episodes was really setting up their relationship for failure. I think the producers almost wanted to show a side of Chelsea that we had not seen yet. Um, a really like controlling side is kind of what the edit made it seem like. And whether she is or not, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know her in person, but there really was like a shift in the way that their relationship was portrayed the last couple episodes. And maybe they did that to get people talking when both of them said yes. Um, if you do some digging, I'm more so just reading off of there was an Entertainment Tonight article about the couples where it's actually really interesting because Kwame follows Paul and Micah on Instagram and not Chelsea, which is like really weird. Um, so I don't know if they're still together. I guess we'll find out at the reunion on Sunday. And then you had, of course, Tiffany and Brett said yes. Like they're, I feel like every season has at least one couple that's a very like united front. And then you had um, Micah and Paul had a very like shocking, I think, alter moment where... I personally thought that they were going to both say no, but 
remain a couple, kind of like what Raven and SK did last season, where it was clear that they had an agreement off camera to both say no at the altar and were very at peace with it, and no one felt blindsided. But um, I think I was most shocked when Paul gave his reasoning. Like, he's so honest, which is refreshing on these reality shows versus people like Kwame who seem performative and calculated. But he said that the reason he said no to Micah was because he didn't see her as a mother. And I was like, wow, that is, if she wants to be a mother, like that is one of the harshest things you can say about someone. But it is also just his truth. So at least he went with his gut feeling. I thought it was interesting. He said what he had said to Amber, which was, um, my what's right for me is right for both of us. He said that to Micah as well as she was running away down the aisle. And I thought that was really interesting. And then you had um, Zach and Bliss who they say yes. Um, And I really did like Zach and Bliss. I think they were an example of what I was saying in this pod, which you'll hear is that like love is not linear. Um, Love is oftentimes a step forward, two steps back and then five steps forward. And especially in the beginning of a relationship when you're figuring out your expectations of one another and what the relationship could look like. It's not always going to be a perfect straight line. And they were a reminder of that. But, you know, when you're really meant to be with someone, you will find a way to make it work. So I just really thought this season was so awesome. And the way they explored so many dynamics, I felt like they hadn't touched before. So we talk about that in this podcast. And then I'm so excited to see the reunion. Maybe I'll post my reaction to the reunion Sunday night before I fly out to Miami for the week. So anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Give it a rating if you haven't. Ratings really help my podcast grow and climb in the charts and send it to a friend who's also watching Love is Blind. Or if you want to convince a friend to watch Love is Blind, like send them this podcast and just tell them to start like 10 minutes in so they don't get spoilers. But all right, guys, I'm rambling. Um, here is the episode and thank you so much for listening. Thank you for those of you listening. Will you give my audience just a little bit of background on who you are to someone who maybe hasn't seen you before? Sure. So my name is Grace. I run the Grace Reports. I've been on YouTube for, I want to say, five years now, um, covering everything from T-Mom to Love is Blind, um, The Real Housewives of Potomac, Real Housewives of Atlanta, Vanderpump Rules, just all things reality TV in general. Um, I do, you know, do TikTok videos as well, of course. And I just love commenting on pop culture. Yes. And that, and so I actually was so excited when I messaged you and you were interested to come on because we we had talked before I hit record, but like for anyone listening, you just have such a great, like you don't dogpile, you don't, some people will make videos that are very just like shock factor. Um, but I think that you talk about things, you always offer a new perspective that I haven't heard anyone say before on certain topics and things that are happening. And so um, I'm always the same with my podcast. I'm like, I never want to dogpile on like a hate train or anything. I just, I'm always like, I'll only make a video about something if I have something to add that no one else has said yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why I was excited to talk about you. I've been so obsessed with Love is Blind specifically, I think, and we'll talk about it, but specifically, I think this season has been 
the most fascinating since season one for certain reasons that we'll get into. Um, But off the bat, working backwards, what couples do you think are going to break up when the final episodes come out tomorrow? And who do you think could potentially be together? I think statistically about two couples end up together, it seems. But Mm -hmm. who do you think – Are who are you betting on? So I am betting – you know, it's so crazy because up until this final episode, I've always said that Kwame is going to say no. But for some reason, I feel like he's going to be guilt-tripped into saying yes. So I am going to have to um, guess that he and Chelsea will get married – Against my better judgment, um, I do see a no for Paul and Micah, and then I see a yes for Brett and Tiffany. So far, yeah, <laughs> yes, Brett it's all a couple, Tiff- right? I'm like- yeah, because Marshall and Jackie, but then they yeah. seem to have broken up prior to, which that's something we also I don't think had seen before, where someone on Love Is Blind actually got back with someone that they had talked to in the pods prior to the wedding, um, which was really fast. I was actually, and I know I didn't have this in the questions I sent over, but I was actually kind of blindsided. I thought that Jackie seemed like a really um, admire, and I'm sure she has admirable qualities outside of the show, but I mean, there were moments like when she said Brett was fine in front of Marshall that I thought was a little bit odd. I felt like it was kind of, I just couldn't imagine humiliating my partner that way, not only amongst just each other, but around friends and filmed publicly. I don't know if Mm -hmm. she was doing that to test Marshall. What did you think of that interaction? You know, it's so funny because I thought that was actually a cute moment. I was like, I wouldn't personally do it, but it felt like just a reaction because sometimes you see someone and you're like, just, you think they're so gorgeous. You're like, damn, you know? So I felt like she forgot where she was. And it was the cutest thing to me that Marshall, so secure in his sexuality, was like, I told you. (laughs) I was like, aw, that's adorable. (laughs) I know. It made me wonder like what that conversation looked like because it must have happened off camera. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're talking about the people in the pods. Um, and yes, Brett and Tiffany, I'm really hoping for, they were kind of alluding to something like shocking happening at their wedding, but I think it was kind mm-hmm. of like the falling asleep scene where healthy relationships don't make for good TV. Like, you know, you're in yeah. a good relationship if it's also like the couples that seem to stay together. And I know there's some things that had come out about, I believe his name was Brett from last season, but I knew that they were going to get married because they had no airtime for a lot of the episodes. And I was like, that Mm -hmm. means there's no drama. Like there's no fighting. Um, And I think we're seeing that with Brett and Tiffany where they almost aren't on camera a ton because I think that they're just very stable and that doesn't make for anything shocking that you usually see on these shows. It's funny. I was just saying that in my, you know, one of my recent recaps for those episodes that like they only really show them when Tiffany's freaking out about wedding planning, but it's wedding planning. Anyone would freak out over that. (laughs) Yeah, especially in the short time that they seem to be doing it. Oh, I guess one couple that we're missing, which is maybe one of the most talked about couples is Zach and Bliss. Um, which oh my God, I, I knew how can we, yeah. right? I was like, how can I forget them? I could see them saying yes, because I made a YouTube video on this, but like, to me, I love their relationship because I think it's an example that oftentimes relationships aren't linear and love isn't linear. Like I think we're told mm-hmm. that it has to happen in certain progressions, but oftentimes uh, some couples that I know when they first met their stories are like, I didn't actually like him or, you know, they like it there. It's not like a, like 
everything's perfect. Sometimes the best relationships are the ones that they had to fight to be together because other circumstances meant that it might not happen. But I don't, what are your thoughts on them? Mm, I think you have a really good point on that. My thing is that like, I get it and I appreciate it. I just think that they would have been better off dating a bit longer than rushing to get married because ever since she and he met for the first time, like every episode has been about her bringing up the fact that he got engaged to someone else. So there's still a lot of resentment there and just like a lot of passive aggressiveness surrounding it. And I don't think that it's healthy to like rush into a marriage when all of these unresolved issues are, you know, still kind of lying around. So like, I think it's great that they're together and I do think they will get married, but I just wish that they kind of address this stuff a bit more before worrying about getting married. Yeah, definitely. I was actually shocked when he proposed because it felt so quick. And then when I was shocked in the scene where he was, maybe my timeline was off. I think my boyfriend who I forced to watch it with me, he was like, I think he said they'd only known each other for like 20 days because he was referring to the moment they met outside of the pods. I thought he was including the pods in that. So I was like, they were in the pods for nine days. Like I was like, how, how quickly did this happen? But I think my boyfriend was correct. But yeah, I was shocked when he was saying that they'd only known each other for 20 days. Um, and when he proposed, I wonder if there was also pressure from producers. Like if you guys want to have a wedding that is on camera, um, then you have to obviously propose, um, like within the first few meetings. Um, so then we can work your timeline in. Um, and, but yeah, I can, I can see them saying yes at the altar, maybe not bliss, but like, I just have a feeling they're going to say yes. Um, And then, yeah. And why do you think Paul and Micah will say no? I just don't see any chemistry between the two of them. And I hope that Paul is like taking a look at the types of people that Micah surrounds herself with, like those friends. Like, do you really, the way that she scolded him about like needing to take her friends, like kind of thoughts and stuff into consideration like that wouldn't have been cool with me and just like the friends pattern of running away all of Micah's men that's not something that I would want to get into like you know okay some people have friends sometimes you're dating someone and you don't really care for their friends but if they're like a close friend and they want you to be friendly with this person on a certain level like you have to at least like the person and stuff so I don't know I think that that should be a turn off to him her behavior with Irina I feel like you know these people do gossip a lot like the girls will go and tell their men about like what's happening in the girls quarters and the obviously there's a lot of stuff that was going on with Micah and Irina I know she was better liked of the two amongst the girls but I think that they still would have been gossiping so I think that he has heard some stuff about her behavior that might turn him off he seems like a nice like normal intelligent guy And Micah seems like a lot of drama to me and just a lot of cattiness. And so I don't know that that works with him. Do you see it for that as a couple? Yeah, I think you have some great points. I I agree with you. And I I actually, Paul has really grown on me. I think in the first few episodes, more so in the pods, I kind of underestimated his intelligence. Maybe because he was just, he wasn't really speaking much. I think he was more of a listener. And um and i i think outside of the pods i've seen he seems to be very thoughtful or at least like very solution oriented um and i underestimated that um and i think that him and i could see him and micah saying no but kind of 
doing what Raven and SK did, which we saw how that worked out, but being like, okay, let's say no at the altar, kind of having an agreement off camera and then trying to work it out behind the scenes more in a casual way because Michael's also quite young. I think she's like 26 and yes, yeah. um, I'm 27 right now. Yeah. And I'm like, I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine like getting married right now, um, especially because they also live in different cities which this season was the weirdest out of all of them in that they all live in different areas. And I was listening to a podcast, I forget which one, and they said that they actually heard that they were having trouble casting people, Um, Mm -hmm. which leads me to my next question, which is about who do we think is in it for fame versus love? And if they did have to pull from their like casting bucket, like it wasn't as easy to find people, I find that hard to believe because it's such a big show. Um, mm-hmm. but that could be why they went into their married at first sight, um, kind of, uh, people because maybe they weren't able to find others. And it seems like Kwame had been on married at first sight a couple years ago, but what are your thoughts on who's in it for fame versus love? You know, I feel like it's such a difficult question to answer because I do think that there are a lot of people where they have like this kind of like avoidant attachment style where they think that they want love and stuff and they go towards it. But then when it shows up at their doorstep, they run away. So then to people who are not really into attachment theory, they think that the person was just kind of like playing around or whatever. But like, no, this is just a person who has issues in that regard. So I feel like, I don't know, like it's kind of hard for me to to say that because I, I, I recognize a lot of avoidant attachment in these people. And I think that some people fall more into that bucket than the whole looking just for attention kind of bucket. You know what I mean? They thought they were ready, but it turns out they weren't and they needed all this pressure to find that out. Um, And people for me who fall into that would be like a Jackie, but someone who probably was just looking for attention in general would be a Josh to me. Um, Yeah. Something that has surprised me. I don't know if you've noticed is Marshall how often he's on TikTok and stuff like that man is cranking out the TikToks and I'm like huh that's interesting to me and he seems to be good at it like he's like a filmmaker or something which means that he has previous maybe expertise or knowledge in the social media realm and I mean like he's probably the most beloved person across the board on this season I would say Chelsea was until the last recent episodes maybe but um Marshall is like yeah oh Brett oh of course yeah And, and for me they're almost like for Brett and Tiffany I feel like they don't seem to be in it I mean I guess anyone who goes on reality tv like to a degree they're in it for fame but um because they're also older there was a statistic that I could be wrong. Um, I live in California and it's like 50% of people in California get divorced that get married. But that if yeah. you get married after the age of 30, that statistic significantly drops and you're more likely to stay together. And I think we're even seeing that just with like Brett and Tiffany like being the most stable and yet they're the older and the, also the most stable in themselves. Um, for mm-hmm. me, one red flag that someone's in it for fame is if they bust out a guitar and start singing. Ah. Like for me, <laughs> which I'm actually shocked because I actually really like – Zach has grown on me and I do think he's genuinely – in it for love at least that's how it seems in the last few episodes and I know he sang but like for me with Kwame I remember I don't watch the show anymore but when I was like a kid and my mom would put on The Bachelor I remember so distinctly that there was one episode where this guy 
brought out a guitar and started singing. And I think he got eliminated that episode. And like the Bachelor Nation went after him because they were like, why would you come on this show looking for attention? Like you're trying to do your music career. And, Uh but now I think it's just become normalized. But like, I, I do think it's usually a good signal to me that someone maybe has ulterior motives if like in the first Mm -hmm. few episodes they are also trying to like launch a singing career um which I think is what we kind of saw with Kwame I don't know Kwame's kind of hard to read for me but sometimes to me it feels like he's reading off of like a script like I almost Mm -hmm. feel like he the way that he reacts to things is like for example when um, Micah broke up with him and he went into this kitchen area and began to cry, but was kind of like covering his face. And, um, I'm guessing they had private areas as well. I mean, of course he's on the show, so he maybe was trying to show emotion. I thought it seemed a little bit performative. And then I was like, maybe I'm just reading it wrong. But then when Paul came out, to talk about how he had broken up with Amber and the way that Kwame was like, yeah, well, you're the villain. Like, it's hard to do. Like, it was almost like he was trying to read Shakespeare. And I thought Kwame was almost performative in his processing of the breakup. Um, But what were your thoughts on kind of those episodes with Kwame? And what are your thoughts on him? You know, Kwame as a person is so fascinating to me. I think he's like someone who struggles a lot with a lot of like self-hatred and whatnot, you know, like I know that his real first name is Alex and that Kwame is his second name, but like him talking about a reason why he would have wanted to go for Alex as a name instead of Kwame just seems so like, just say that you didn't want, you know what I mean? Like you wanted to pass for like white or whatever so you can get with like white contestants on the show because I feel like the name Alex boxes someone just as much as the name Kwame does. It's just a white box versus a black box and it seemed like he wanted to fit into that you know and then he starts talking about his history with prom and not being allowed to take a prom date um there because uh he was black it just seemed like a lot of that um type of stuff so like he really did rub me the wrong way i try to be empathetic towards it because you know obviously when you grow up with racism and stuff it really just um shapes your per perception of yourself um, but I'm kind of over it. I feel like you see this so much with like black men in reality shows. And like, I feel like black women experience just as much racism. Then we have sexism on top of it. And we don't turn out this way. So I don't really have sympathy for it anymore on like their side. Um, I think he's like someone who just needs external people to figure out who he is. He doesn't know who he is. So he's trying to find that in other ways. So that could have been why he was crying in the kitchen instead of in a private area. That could have been why he's chasing Micah instead of... Um, moving towards Chelsea, someone who's already there for him. Like he needs like all these mirages and stuff to try and like figure out who he is. Cause he's so confused. And then him trying to get on married at first sight and whatnot, like, but he just doesn't sound like someone who wants to get married. I don't know if that's what it is or if it's just him making excuses because it's Chelsea, he doesn't want to marry. Like he's an enigma to me in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's interesting. Like you bring that up too. Cause I know for me, like as a white woman, I'm like, there are certain things that I just can't, like I, I can, um, empathize with and I'll never be in that position. Cause I have certain privileges and I've seen videos as well, where, um, a great example of that was like perfect match. I don't know if you watched that on Netflix. Oh my God. <laughs> did you watch yeah. it? I don't know. And maybe you've I like did. made a video. Yeah. I've seen some YouTube videos on it. I don't know if you, um, there's a girl, I, I think her name's Jessie Wu and she has, um, great commentary on like these Netflix dating shows, but how, mm-hmm. um, there, it seemed like they really set up a lot of the, 
um, the black woman to fail on that show where they weren't really given partners that were taking them seriously. And they were also graceful about it. And it was just, um, it, yeah, it, it seemed like you, you made great points too, though. Like, you know, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm interested in Kwame in so many ways. And, um, also the, the conversation he had with his mom. And I know that like, it's obviously a totally conversation. I, okay. I thought that maybe there was no one on the other line. My boyfriend Mm -hmm. said maybe they just, she didn't give permission for her voice. So that makes sense. But his conversation, and I could be wrong. Cause again, like I don't have immigrant parents. So I, it, it could be so different when it comes to acceptance that I'll never um, be able to know. Um, but just his conversation to me kind of felt like when I was younger and one of my friends wanted to spend the night, but I didn't want them to. So I text my mom and be like, yeah. just say no when I call. And I'd be like, hey, mom, can blah, blah, blah spend the night? Oh, dang it. Okay. I'll let her know. Oh, my God. Damn. Sorry. So then it's like not my fault. It almost felt like yeah. that. Like mm-hmm. it felt very performative. And like he already had an yeah. answer in mind before he called. Absolutely. The there was no one on the other line. It was just right. a clinical fake call, HR sounding call. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I'm glad you said that because I kind of thought that it, it reminded me of like um, there's paparazzi photos of like Kourtney Kardashian and she's like pretending to be on a call and you see like her home screen yes. um, like when the phone lights up. But um, And then also I think part of his performative too though could be like he was a professional athlete. And so I think he's just like also just wants to be known or like is always aware of his name and like what he's putting out there. But um, okay. I did not mean to focus mm-hmm. on him. He's just really interesting to me. So we'll move on. Yeah. Um, okay. So mm-hmm. you brought up a great, you brought up some great points about like counseling and um, what, so what are your thoughts on that and how it relates to the show or what you think they could maybe do better? You know, I would have loved to have seen, because, you know, this show is produced by the same people who produce Married at First Sight. And Married at First Sight is even more extreme because they're getting married as soon as they meet each other. But the show kind of tries to help them out by assigning experts and stuff to help them navigate things, assigning activities to help them um, navigate, you know, intimacy and just like uh, fights and stuff, just like all sorts of different aspects of a relationship. So I would love to see these people accompanied by experts as they try to figure out their engagement, work towards getting married or not getting married. Um, figure out their attachment styles, their love languages. There are just so many like different moving pieces to like making a relationship work. And I feel like it's a lot of pressure to put this on people with no support whatsoever. Yeah. Um, And also people who are obviously like maybe hadn't been in such a serious relationship before. At least it seems like a lot of the contestants from what they've said, to my knowledge, oh, I guess Amber, I think had had two marriages before they've they don't really Mm. focus on people who are like divorcees like I think that would be a great Uh contestant because that's someone who knows the seriousness of marriage whereas it seems like a lot of the characters they focus on are people that not only haven't been married before or engaged before but haven't even had long relationships before um so that's Mm -hmm. interesting that you point that out I also am fascinated with these shows this was more so also came up as a concern for me when watching Perfect Match, but like the idea of intimacy coordinators and 
I think it really showed in this season with um, Irina and Zach in bed together. And regardless of how you felt about either of them, it kind of felt scary in a way for probably both of them. But like being in a bed in a foreign country with a stranger that you'd never physically met before. And now you're in a room where it's like, I I know these shows kind of seem hokey at times, but like Love Island, for example, they're all in beds in the same room. But I think that's a way to prevent anyone who maybe has bad intentions from being able to get away with something if there's like Mm -hmm. 10 other witnesses at night. So Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on them being in a, like I, for me, I'm like, how do they vet people? Like, how do you know that these people are safe? That's a good question. Uh, I feel like hopefully they at least run the basics of like the criminal background, employment and uh, all that stuff. Um, But it is true because when you're like seriously not attracted to someone, I would say that Irina was even repelled by Zach. And like that happens. I know people judge her for it, but sometimes it happens where like for some reason, like you are not only not attracted to a person, but you're like repelled. You want to be as far away from them as possible. Um, And that must have been difficult. I feel like there should be an option. And but there is an option because I remember now, Sheena, when she was with Kyle, she decided to just go ahead and get a different room. I believe that Jessica did this with Mark as well. So Sheena was season three, I want to say, or two. Um, yeah, was and she then, the one that was um, squinting? Was yes, she the one that, like, yes, yes. Okay, then yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she like went ahead and got a different room. So I feel like it's there, but maybe for a reason of screen time or something like that, that was not something that they went for. I think that Irina would want screen time and I think that Zach would want to make it work. It felt like he was trying to like do his best, jump through as many hoops as possible to make that work. Yeah. And on on the topic of like chemistry, one way that is me an outsider looking in who's like nosy. One way that I feel like I can tell if two people have chemistry or not is if the person seems more attractive when they're around that person. So like that's when you know that there's this like fire between two people. Um, So like Zach, when he was with Irina, seemed like he was portrayed as very like uh, whether you believe it or not, but like he was portrayed as very unattractive and like weird. But then when he's with Bliss, all of a sudden he's the man of the hour and like he's like like this suave guy at the party that everyone wants to be around. Um, And so it kind of, I think, plays like with Bliss, he seems to have a lot of chemistry because he almost embodies this more like attractive person. So that's always how I try to read people. I'm like, if someone seems more attractive around a person, then it's probably because the two of them have chemistry. Um, I love that. Yeah. That's that's always like a a way to judge it, I think. Um, And now, okay. So in this So I have two questions. One was what are some memorable moments, but I think it can also lay into the next question, which is this season I think seemed the most entertaining and layered versus season two and three. Um, Season Mm -hmm. one, of course, was fascinating because it was the first and I think people there were genuinely there for like the experiment. But why do you – do you agree with my sentiment that this season was more entertaining and it, no right or wrong answer if you don't think so. But if you do, why do you think that is? Because I have my own theories. Yeah, um, I do have to agree. I feel like it was different. There was just like a certain diversity there. Like, for example, um, I felt like class was explored a little bit more. The dynamics of like relationships when people are from different classes and not even just financially, but even in the way that people speak. I felt like this was the first season where you have people speaking like Jacqueline or Josh. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's very like... Um, 
I don't know, like very like urbanish or whatever, very hip, very like whatever. And so it was interesting to see that like portrayed on Love is Blind because people typically spoke in a very kind of like standard American English, but then they were more diving into like vernacular and whatnot, which I thought was fascinating. And it was interesting to try to unpack like read between the lines on what it is that they were saying, because it is true that there are some expressions these days that I'm not too caught up on, you know, like I don't use English as much as I did before when I lived in an English speaking country. So I'm kind of behind on a lot of these things. So just trying to understand what they're talking about, like that has been kind of fun. Um, and just, I don't know, like there, there's been a lot, it's a lot more diverse racially speaking than other seasons before they pipper them in. But this season, I feel like it's majority people of color as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You made great points that I, I didn't think about. And, um, and even when you said like also exploring just class and stuff, I think we don't really even know like Tiffany's class, but I think seeing Brett and him just having like being like, I can move into like a bigger unit. I was like, oh my God, like the, like just the way he said it was like, wow, like that's someone who's so established. Um, and it was cool mm -hmm. to see that. But then um, I also think too, part of it is um, they seem to have spent more time not just in the pods, but in the like communal area of the pods this season where um, I was always fascinated how every season it seemed like the people were almost like stress bonded or trauma bonded with the mm -hmm. contestants that they spent time with in the pods. So, like the women, for example, the women of the prior season. So like Raven, um, Zainab, Colleen, um, I believe is Alexa, they have each other's back. Like even mm -hmm. when Zainab to me did very questionable things, they just like, they were going to bat for her. And I'm like, what? Like they must have had a very strong bond that as viewers, I don't think we really saw except maybe mm -hmm. like the Bachelorette episode at the end. And so I felt like Netflix for the first time really explored the friendships, like also love is blind, but like also not just in relationships, but like love also involves friendships and the love that you mm -hmm. have for friends. And I think they explore even like Brett and Marshall's relationship, I think is really love. something that we haven't seen them explore before with the men as well in the friendships that they form. Like I thought it was kind of um, full circle how Brett talks about losing a brother. And that seems to be something that he was really vulnerable about. And it's really sweet to see. It seems like him and Marshall have a brotherhood and Netflix kind of exploring that either purposefully or not. And then like the women, um, not just the friendships in the pods, but also like the enemies that form, like when Micah mm -hmm. and Irina were kind of laughing at the other women. Um, I just felt like they spent so much more time letting the audience see those relationships, which just added so many more layers to like them going to Mexico and like them hanging out at Chelsea's birthday party. It was cooler. It was cool to know what went on that I don't think they'd ever really dive super deep into in the previous season. So I think you're cool. totally right. Like this is like the first season where like the male friendships are really there. You know what I mean? Like they're typically lone wolves. I feel like over the seasons and whatnot, um, you know, uh, Brett and Marshall obviously have a great relationship. And then so do Paul and Zach. I love seeing them yeah. kind of go off together and whatnot. I know that this is off topic, but I do want to ask you if possible, 
how you feel about like the kind of armchair diagnosing? Because I know a lot of people, um, and some people are already neurodivergent. They are claiming these guys are like, oh, it's, he's totally there. He fits the criteria. They say that about Zach all the time. And now it's starting to happen with Paul also. What do you think about like that being kind of like, kind of almost a core part of commentary surrounding the show? I avoid talking about that type of stuff because I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know. But it, it's been very prevalent this season. No, that's a great question. I've I've seen a lot of TikTok, not a lot, but like probably the only like five TikToks that have been made that went viral, like definitely came up on my feed. Um, more so it was like starting with Zach and then, yeah, I saw some about Paul as well. Um, I think that like, yes, like it, it, I feel like it's never the audience's part to publicly speculate on those kind of things unless someone like comes out and says it. Um, and then in terms of like, I and and I do think that a show like this though is prime for like even if someone isn't neurodivergent I think that the way that these shows are filmed it would bring out things that could appear that way because it's a very like unconventional setting and yeah. experiment mm-hmm. especially love is blind and I think that people would act in ways that seem atypical to the audience because it's also just an atypical setting. So like, Mm -hmm. I think it makes it even harder to like diagnose anyone because it's already like a situation that none of them have ever navigated before. Um, And so Mm -hmm. if they do have any social crutches that they lean on or quirks, it's probably going to like be even more, uh, it's going to be louder, so to speak. Um, And that also kind of like, that was a great question. It actually leads me to one question I did have, it was more so about this show seems to focus on conventionally attractive people. Like it's about finding love is blind. Um, and um, they seem to always focus on conventionally attractive people, but also people that have, they've never really dived into anyone who has like a a visible disability. I was talking to a creator who she's pretty big on TikTok. She has over a million followers and we were talking about Love is Blind and she was like, I actually auditioned. Like, I would love to be on that show. Like, I have a disability um, and she didn't get picked for it. And, um, but like there, it seems like this show would be great to explore avenues that Mm -hmm. haven't been explored yet, um, like on shows like The Bachelor. And yet they seem to, I think, drop the ball in a lot of ways. Do you have any thoughts on Mm -hmm. that? And like why they always just seem to go with the conventionally attractive storylines and people? I think that's such a good question. I'm going to sound so mean, but I'm sorry. I live in Paris. I see gorgeous people all day, every day. So to me, whenever people claim that these people are really, you know, I'm like, to me, they look like nice average people in like small towns or something like that. I've never seen anyone where I'd go, wow. Like, you know, for example, like, um, love Island, like the people on love Island are like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I think that they try to go a little bit more like mainstream with it. Um, and on the disability front and whatnot, I do wonder, well, they tried on, let's say this love is blind Brazil. There was a woman, she was plus size. Did you ever see that season, season two? Oh, I started watching it because I saw, I think, the clip you're about to bring up. Yes. So can I spoil it for you? Yeah. No, go <laughs> ahead. Spoil. Yeah. I love spoilers. And I saw the clip, so I think I know exactly what you're about to say. Yeah. So to me, she was beautiful. 
Okay. Like she had a, she was really, really pretty. Um, and so she and this guy, they, they connect really well. It was a love triangle. There was another woman, a thinner woman. Um, but that girl, she wanted to leave the experiment. She was like really passionate about this guy. And he was like, no, I want to stay until the end. I would never quit. In fact, I'm turned off that you want to quit this. No, I can't be with a quitter. So he matches with the other girl and then like proposes. And then it's time for them to meet. He's like, yeah, no, I quit basically right after, you know, leaving someone else because she wanted to quit and run off with him. Um, and this woman, she was probably the most plus size I'd seen on these shows. And then she had a lot of tattoos and then like the piercing and stuff. So it was a very, um, you know how some people kind of have like a niche look, like if you're like very like heavily yeah. tatted or if you're this or that mods. So it was that going on. And then he was like a fitness freak and stuff like that. So it wasn't a great match in that capacity. So sometimes when I think about people talking about how they want people like, you know, of a certain way or whatever to be on the show a bit more. I wonder, like, do you not feel bad about the rejection that this woman already faced? Because it would be more yeah. of that. Like, would it set them I up for like, failure kind of thing? Yeah, we know love is not really blind, right? This experiment yeah. over the past three, four seasons has already proved that. Um, and a lot of people have been mm -hmm. damaged from it already. So I think like, throwing in people who are, you know what I mean? Um, who already struggle, um, that might make it even more difficult. But I, th I feel like this That's season, they really tried. Like I, I they tried, I felt, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, you make great points. Like, I do think you're right. I, I, sometimes I wonder just reality shows in general, like how much of it is how much are the shows, and I know it's kind of out of everyone's control, but like how much are the shows responsible to for like the trauma that might, I, cause I had, I even did a podcast episode on it on how I think sometimes going viral can be a type of trauma that people don't always talk mm -hmm. about depending on how you go viral. Like some people end their lives over videos and things like that. And like, I feel like reality shows, we've seen reality stars end their lives. I think that it could be really traumatic in some ways. Um, and then also in terms of love is, I wonder how much of the cast talk about how they look to the other people because, um, for example, Kwame, he ended up deciding between two very similar looking women, like blonde hair. I mean, I guess they're very different once you get to know them, but to me on paper, I'm like, they were the most similar out of all of the contestants that we saw. Um, Paul mm. ended up finding Micah who was like a carbon copy of his mom, like 30 years younger. Like they were so similar. It was so, I was like, what is like Freud would have a field day with even love is blind. That was so bizarre to me. I think Absolutely. her dad's name was Paul. Yeah. Like there were yeah. so many similarities that like, it made me wonder if it's just a subconscious thing that happens with people or like if there is some conversations that happen that we don't see where they're kind of setting the tone for what they look like. Um, mm -hmm. I know they kind of showed it in the first episode of the season where one guy, it seemed was kind of fetishizing one girl and he's like, what type of Asian are you? Are you Japanese? Are you Korean? How tall are you? Like, I don't know if you remember that conversation. It was like five seconds in passing. It was in like the yeah. first episode when everyone was first starting to meet. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I sometimes wonder how, like, if it's just like a subconscious thing that no matter how much you try to avoid ending up with people mm -hmm. that remind you of your parents or past relationships, like it's always going to happen. Someone on TikTok made a great point. I'm rambling now, but someone on TikTok made a great point that 
Kwame ended up with a woman that seems similar to what he's described his mom to be like, which is like controlling and setting up expectations for him. And he ended up with Chelsea, who's doing the same thing, kind of mothering him. Um, whereas he wanted to end up with Micah, who seemed to be more free spirited, like do whatever. I don't really care. Um, attitude. Mm -hmm. I thought that was an interesting analysis as well. Oh my God. So you brought up so many points. I don't know where to start. And they're great points. That's the thing. I'm like, where do we dig in? You know, first of all, when it comes to if they know what the people look like. So in season one, there was a guy who asked Lauren if she was black. Um, and so she was turned off by that. But just because of the way he asked, it felt like kind of aggressive or antagonistic almost. Um, not in good faith almost. Um, and then in season three, Cole he talked about how like, yeah, they would kind of like um, bring up celebrities to help people fit visualize. So okay, he said he looked like, you know, one of these guys. Zenob said she looked like, I don't know, like a Jessica Alba type thing or whatever. So that is something that they do behind the scenes. Um, and then to your point about some people would like, you know, going after people who look like their moms or this or that. Uh, do you remember when Kyle proposed to Shayna in season two? And that was the Chicago season. Were were they the ones yeah. that kind of like weren't at the resort and then they met up? Yeah. Was that That's okay? Yeah. I okay. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. So he was proposing to her, talking about how much he loves that she is just like his mom and reminds him of his mom. So some people do have these weird kind of deep rooted kind of like parent fetish almost um, yeah. issues for sure. And you do hear that like in their early dating, some people talk about wanting to find someone like their mom, like their dad. I've never understood this. Has this ever happened to you? Because in my like life, I've never sat down and been like, oh, like I really want someone who reminds me of like my parents. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've never consciously done that. The only thing closest to it is like my dad was a marathon runner growing up and I feel like I've always dated more athletic guys, but I also yeah. grew up playing sports. So a lot of my coaches and male models were like also athletic. So maybe uh -huh. even though I'm not like the like Olympic athlete myself, but I date people, I think who tend to lean more on the athletic spectrum as my boyfriend's uh -huh. in the room, he just looked up. But like, so maybe is a little in that respect, but like never anyone that's looked like my dad, same name, mm -hmm. like the same name thing is like always a little bit bizarre. I know people can't help it, but I think Micah ended up, I think she was saying her dad's name was Paul. There was some similarity there too, that I was like, how did they both like end up with people that were so similar to their parents in a lot of ways? Um, right. It was too close to home. You know, speaking of Micah and Paul, I do want to ask you, um, do you think that their relationship, because we said that maybe if they don't get married, they decide to just like continue dating. Do you think their relationship can survive watching back the way that she has been playing behind his back with Kwame over all these episodes? So I think so only because she was kind of doing it to his face at the pool party like a lot of that episode revolved around Chelsea's reaction to it but I was more fascinated at Paul's lack of react I thought that was more alarming to me was Paul's almost mm. like um he almost it seemed to just I mean I think he was just busy with Irina like flirting with Irina um but I forgot right so I, I, I think that would maybe be a problem because it seems like mm -hmm. 
Micah was actually disturbed by that when she found out, which there's some things to unpack there because she was kind of doing something similar, which is maybe why she was cautious about it. Because I've always felt like, and I don't know if she's like, I don't want to say a cheater, but like in my experience, I had one relationship that involved heavy cheating. And I remember one Mm -hmm. thing about that relationship uh, that was different from all of my others was his fixation on the idea of me cheating and his like premeditated anger towards something that hadn't even happened. He was obsessed with it. And like, I think it was because he knew how easily it could happen in his world. And I almost got that from Micah. Like I was surprised at how angry she was at Irina in that one Mm -hmm. scene um, where I was like, but she did that because you were with Kwame. Like that wouldn't have happened if you and Paul were a united front that couldn't be So I was more surprised at Paul's lack of interest in that even happening, which makes me think, to me, Mike and Paul seem more like siblings. Like, I don't know that I see them. They don't have that chemistry that I see with like Zach and Bliss, for example, or Brett and Tiffany. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And you know, it's funny to answer your question earlier that I forgot to like the memorable things and what makes it like kind of like stand out. It's the amount of kind of like messed up relationships here you know you've got paul who was flirting with irena who was best friends with micah and then like irena like she wants to take it further she's like in love with him almost and then you've got micah who's flirting with kwame behind paul's back um and there's just jackie and the josh like we haven't had this many kind of like messy like emotional affairs or like love triangles and whatnot in one single season there's a lot a lot going on this year it's it's wild Yes. There seems more than ever a lack of boundaries. Whereas like in the first season, Jessica was villainized by the world for like somewhat still thinking about Brett and bringing it up to him. Like she was like public enemy number one for like Mm -hmm. a year after Love is Blind premiered because of her, um, I think, kind of like still trying to explore somewhat of a connection with, oh, sorry, it was Barnett. I think I, I might have called him Brad. Yeah, Barnett. Like, <laughs> yeah, Barnett. Um, whereas with this season, there's so much intermingling. And I also think maybe some of it comes from like these people have seen the way the show plays out. They've seen, like to me, I really feel like the reason the first season was so magical was that they didn't know it was, they probably didn't even know it was going to be picked up by Netflix, especially if it was being produced by the Merit at First Sight producers. Like they didn't know. I don't think anyone knew how big the show was going to be. And so the people that signed up were genuinely, I think, in it for the experiment and for love. Whereas it seems like now, like you have the Bartistes and stuff who even to an extent, Natalie and Deep D to me, who I feel like they were like, <clears throat> and I don't have an opinion on them like bad or good. Um, those seasons were like, I just wasn't that interested in those seasons. So maybe I just didn't pay too much attention, but they have books now. They have a podcast. Like I think people just know how to play the game now. And so they aren't going into it being like, I'm going to find love. I think people seem to be going into it. Like I'll see how far I can get with the person that's going to get mm-hmm. me like the most airtime. And so they know that intermingling is going to happen. Um, and Although, I mean, but then I could be wrong because like Marshall seemed hurt by it. But like, it's just so hard. I'm after what happened with SK last year. I'm like so afraid to root for anyone. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. And I keep smiling because I'm like, 
Listen, when it came to season one, I was riding for Jessica from day one. I always told people Barnett is the bad guy. He's engaged. He keeps entertaining these combos. He never shuts it down. And you know what, Coco? The fact that Amber did not know about these conversations ever. It was when the show got picked up two years later. They were living married for two years. She had no idea. I'm like, that guy is a horrible fiance, horrible husband. And Jessica's getting all the blame for it, you know? Ugh. And then SK... I took, a, I took a lot of heat for that with Jessica. Then with Jess, SK, I took a lot of heat because I was saying, this man is asking for too much, right? He's on this show in one state. He's about to go study for a year or two in another place. And he wants to be a newlywed with no money, living on a student budget. The girl, the fiance has to learn a new culture. What is he giving up? What is he, you know what I mean? He's just so unreasonable. Yeah, he didn't such deserve to be on the show. Right? Like I was just, such a, I love it. Oh, you called it. See, it. that's why you're good at this because you like, you've studied these shows. So you already know what red flags to look for. That, but the point you bring up, which was a red flag for me with Chelsea, um, and I don't think it's like a malicious flag, but it seems like this is one area in which I sympathize with Kwame, I think. And he would be giving up everything to be with her and she would be giving up, it seems, nothing. Like everything mm-hmm. is kind of coming to her. So it would be, I mean, and the Seattle thing, like he's in a show in Seattle, of course, but like going to Seattle, like living close to her family, um, her job, uh, she has her dog that then Kwame would have to accept some responsibility over, which he they talk about Rocky, but then I could have had a fever dream. I swear in one scene, Kwame yeah. mentioned that he felt like he's like, yeah, I have to walk Rocky like three times a day, almost in this annoyance mm-hmm. way. I think it was to Micah. So I was like, okay, so he's not even that excited about the dog either. And I get it though. It's a lot of responsibility to have a dog. I think people don't realize that um, on the surface level. And so I think that Kwame would be giving up a lot to be with Chelsea, whereas it seems like Chelsea, it doesn't seem to be as elastic in or understanding in, or maybe we don't see those conversations, but it seems Mm -hmm. like um, there's a lack of understanding there and what he would be giving up to move. I think she's almost like, why wouldn't you be excited about it? Like, like she's like doing him a favor, but I don't think he sees it that Mm -hmm. way. What do you think about that dynamic? You know, with Kwame, I keep saying that I don't like he signed up for something that takes place in Seattle to get married to someone, you know, like, of course, they expanded the radius and whatnot. But he knew she was from Seattle when he proposed to her. He knew she had a dog and that she worked outside of the home and stuff. Um, I don't think he's actually obligated to walk the dog three times a day. I think he's just an outdoorsy person. And he's like, why don't I take the dog with me? You know what I mean? Like he likes to jog and stuff. Um I don't know. I can't feel bad for him. He signed up for Love is Blind Seattle. He knew she had a dog. But it is true that Chelsea, I feel like she's someone who, even if she knows that something is not not right, I think she can feel that he's not all the way in. She wants to force it. And I don't know if you've been in a relationship with someone Mm -hmm. like that. Oh, it's the worst, right? Like, So I feel Kwame's pain in that respect. Like sometimes some people just... They, you, you're trying to let them know, like you're softly telling them, but like they just will not listen. And so they need like a real rude awakening, which can be rough. And so that's one thing that I feel bad for him on. Like, it's just so obvious. <gasps> By the way, do you remember that episode when they go to that clothing store and he brings up a concern about how she was really rude to him when he asked her, is she okay? 
and she threatens him. She's like, oh, if you're going to throw me under the bus, I'll throw you. Watch out. <gasps> that freaked yes. me out too. It almost broke the fourth wall for me where I was like, mm-hmm. I almost like snapped into it of like, oh, they're having conversations when cameras aren't there of like what we can bring up. And almost yes. like she had been, to me, it was like, it kind of felt performative in some ways. I think a hopeless romantic performative. But then when she said that, it broke the fourth wall for me. And I was like, oh, she's also performing for cameras and not just for her own delusion. Mm-hmm. And I, that whole scene was very odd. I thought even, um, so like for context, I, I'm from Long Beach. Like I've been around a lot of diversity in my life. And when he said to her that her outfit, he was like, Oh, that looks tough. And she got mad at him and, um, not being like, it's almost like she wasn't understanding or open to the fact that he would have different vernacular from her. Um, and almost took offense to it. Um, where I was like, if you really took time to like understand him and I immediately, the way he said it, I knew it was a compliment. Maybe it's because people Mm -hmm. in my life have said things like that. And I thought it was like, it showed a real big break in there. Maybe like, cause they're interracial or she just, I, to me, that also was a wit was a little bit of a red flag where I was like, I kind of, again, I'm like, you're making me feel bad for Kwame. Like, like what's happening? Like. (laughs) That whole scene was just yeah. like cringe. And I almost felt like the producers uh-huh. put it in to like show people that Chelsea wasn't as um, as much of this like hopeless romantic. I think she was kind of going for like the Natalie angle of season two where everyone mm-hmm. was rooting for her and she was with Shane. And like it seems in hindsight Shane has his flaws but is – not as malicious as he was portrayed, I think. Maybe he's just growing on me because I saw him on Perfect Match. Um, but yeah, I think when the the scene you mentioned for me was a moment that really broke the fourth wall um, and was kind of shocking. I was like, oh, wow, there's some conversations happening that we're not aware of. Exactly. That's when I was like, all right, the mask is off. I can see why this woman is single, right? Like, because up until then, I was like, oh, she seems nice. Like, she might be a little delusional. But here it's like, she's controlling. She's like, she she never wants to apologize to him for being rude to him either or for threatening him. Like, lacks accountability. Like, the list was kind of like tallying up for me in that moment. And um, I, I feel like a lot of these people are like that, like these underdog people, like Mark from season one, trying to look all woe is me, but the whole time he was cheating, there was an agreement to say no. He just wanted a real big sympathy edit. I know someone in season two was like that. Every season you have these people, Natalie, the one who was getting jerked around by um, Bartiz, like they play very oblivious and very victim-y, but they're yes. grown ass people in their 30s, <laughs> like- I don't love that. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so right. It's like it's cute when you're like 15, but then at a certain mm-hmm. point you have to think like is this why things aren't working out? Like the the uh I think it's like being unaware but then kind of weaponizing that as well like yes. later on by being like you were awful to me, but it's like you never brought it up that you were that bothered by it. Um mm-hmm. I actually thought and then um yeah, I I'm like now I'm just enjoying like kind of uh picking different things apart. One thing that really stood out to me was, and I think to me, this was the red flag that Jackie was going to be a problem. There was a couple of them, like when she was, um, 
on Chelsea's side, but then, and you actually, I think they put in a moment where maybe it was editing, but Tiffany even kind of like looked at Jackie, like, why are we having this conversation where Jackie brought up to Micah that Chelsea was upset, but like, you can have her man if you want. Like, I was like, oh, that's kind of a weird thing to say. Like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a betrayal of her friendship. But then Mm -hmm. when she said the thing about Brett being fine and like, you had a good point too. Maybe it was just like a fun moment. But to me, I thought it was kind of similar to like, um, Bartiste and he was in, I mean, he was just like, a kind of seemed like a train wreck throughout, but, um, he had the moment where he told Nancy in bed at the hotel that I think he was attracted to Raven and he got so much heat for that. That's maybe one of the most talked about moments of that season. Probably to me, like that season just wasn't that interesting. Um, But I thought it was interesting that he got a lot of flack for that. Whereas it seems like no one clocked that moment between Jackie and her thinking Brett was fine. But to me, I felt like there were some parallels Ah. there. Even if just for a you know split what I second. Think it was? I think Martise was just delusional and rude. So like in his scene with Nancy, he's putting her down. He's saying, oh, like I'm attracted to Raven because I'm so hot. Every time I go out, girls are flocking to get with me and my like poodle poof. Okay. Um, and like I get with girls like Raven. And then, you know, it just, it was a really rude thing to say to your fiance in that moment. And it was a really presumptuous thing to act like you are this like super hot, like 10 out of 10, um, which a lot of viewers did not think was the case. Um, And then with Jackie's comment, it felt like a throwaway, like, oh my God, he's hot, you know, and kind of passed by, you know, there was no Mm -hmm. putting down of Marshall or putting up of herself on this pedestal. Totally. And I, and it's funny too, because I think part of the shocking was like, Nancy was beautiful too, if not one of, I mean, I think a lot of the women, right? I was like, oh my gosh, I don't, like, that was so weird. Um, And um, did you watch Perfect Match, by the way? I did. Yeah, I would do some TikTok. I did a lot of TikToks on Perfect Match as well. I really enjoyed that show, actually. Yeah, I, okay, so I liked it too. And I think that, that we'll just end on this note, but I thought it was so interesting to me, something that, Maybe because I work in media and so I'm always interested in like the production timelines, but I was so confused. So I think it was Georgia who went on a podcast, The Vile Files, and she was talking about being on Perfect Match and how – so she had filmed Too Hot to Handle and within like – and to me, she'd been famous for like three years or two years. I feel like her Too Hot to Handle came out like a long time ago. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess in influencer years that like one year is 10 years. So it just seems like a long time to me, but Georgia filmed her too hot to handle and almost immediately went into filming perfect match. And then same with the people that had been on love is blind. So like Bartiste had filmed love is blind and almost immediately went to filming perfect match. And so he didn't know what his edit was going to be yet when he went on to perfect match. Um, and then his perfect match didn't air for two years. Same with love is blind. Like I think they filmed season two and season three of love is blind at the same exact time. Just one came out like a year later. And that is so interesting to me that like how much of, it must be a mind warp for these people to have something they did to years ago or more than premiere on national television. Whereas like the bachelor is like an almost immediate turnaround, like big brother is in live time. 
Um, some a lot of these reality shows, there's not a huge gap in between when it was filmed and mm -hmm. when it actually comes out. And they also have to keep a lot of it secret. So like if you like say Brett and Tiffany end up together and are happily married, like they could have kids by now for all we know, and they can't post about it publicly. Like, I think mm -hmm. that's so fascinating. What's your take on that? Do you think it like can change dynamics once like reunions come around? I think you're so right. It's torture, honestly, just to have this like looming over you and just like the fear. Like if you've gotten into fights and these things, like Bartiz got into fights, like for example, with Ines, um, you know that that's going to come out and you're scared of how that's going to make you look. And just to have that hanging over you for two years is a lot to not be able to share like your husband or your wife and just like your happiness, your life fully for a long time also is quite brutal. I don't think it's fair when they hold shows for that long and then they have these rules because it is disruptive and it can yeah. have an impact on people like mental health wise and then just relationship wise mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It's just, it's kind of odd. I agree with that. Yeah, I think we saw that with Cole last season where um, – so again, another – like Love is Mine, it's just one of those shows I like make my boyfriend watch with me because I just also want his perspective. But like we mm -hmm. actually – it was one of the first times we put on a reality show and we watch things like Vanderpump Rules where it gets messy. But it was one of the first times where like – I love VPR. Maybe I'll have you on again and we can talk about VPR in a few weeks. Um, but – I it was one of the first times where we had to turn off the reunion like we had to stop it prematurely and we oh, couldn't yeah. watch it because of it was one of those times where like and I'm sure maybe people are just better at hiding it but like watching Cole and it it seemed like I it was one of the first times I thought do they have people that check in on these cast members and like make sure that they aren't going to make a decision that they cannot undo because seeing the way that Cole was so beat up in that reunion I mean he looked like a different person and I guess I wonder too how much of that was this this show looming for two years coming out and knowing maybe there were conversations behind the scenes with him and Zainab and the other women telling him how badly he'd be portrayed allegedly I don't know but it, I think it would it kind of clicked for me just now that that could also be why he seemed so beat down once he finally had to film like the kind of reunion after the altar thing, because I mean, we had to just turn it off because of the way that Cole, he was so defeated and no one seemed to really give him any grace. I, d do you remember that reunion and what were your thoughts on it? I do. And I think that that's a big reason why a lot of people don't want Nick and Vanessa hosting these things anymore because they never have proper control of the room. I remember Shake was an awful person on his season prior, but even then, like Nick and Vanessa, especially Nick, he like joined in on the dogpiling of Shake. He even like said something about his profession, like, oh, like you shouldn't be a vet because of this, that, and the other. And it's like, okay, a host should not be saying that sort of thing. And so um, them not handling the Cole situation well, I'm really glad that the producers went ahead and put up the video to show what really did end yes. up happening there. Because I can't imagine like what it would be like if they didn't have those receipts out there for him because that was awful. And then to see them continue that yeah. in After the Altar, I think that that's why, for example, like at first, I don't know if it's the same for you, but 
I loved Brendan and Alexa. I thought they were a gorgeous couple. I love that we had mm-hmm. like this uh, gorgeous curvy girl just loving herself and whatnot um, and him loving her and it never being a thing brought up. I know that they start hard, had her start off with, oh, I love food. I could eat less, but who, you know, I didn't like that. But outside of that, like they just let her be and I loved it. But just the way that they were on the Zenab kind of like anti coal train like it really just sank them in a lot of people like they could have been almost like Lauren and Cameron up there Mm -hmm. but no Mm -hmm. yeah they could have been um the yeah and and uh I think also I mean I like this is all alleged as if like Brendan's listening to this podcast I doubt it but I believe information came out after their show aired that maybe there were some domestic violence charges going on there in a previous relationship which um, and I loved them too. I mean, he, they were one of the relationships kind of like Brett and Tiffany where I would always say like, okay, you know, they're going to get married cause they aren't getting a ton of airtime unless it's them being like the Greek chorus narrating what the other people are thinking about the other relationships. Um, mm-hmm. and then it all kind of the facade kind of broke for me at the reunion. Maybe it's also like sometimes the basis of a relationship that stays together though, is like standing by your person, even when they're completely in the wrong, which it seems she kind of had that really strong opinion on the Cole situation and he backed her up. Um, and then I think Bartiste was just happy that the heat wasn't on him. So like he wasn't mm-hmm. really drawing attention to like standing up for Cole. And then it seems like SK was the only one who kind of, um, it seemed was trying to comfort him, um, which I think spoke a lot about his character, despite what ended up coming out. Um, but yeah, I, I even like the Brendan, um, if the DV charges are true, um, that also speaks to me about like the idea of these intimacy coordinators and how these shows that put people, I thought about it too, with like perfect match because Francesca, whether you like her or not, I think she spoke out about like how she was really freaked out in having to share a room with someone alone. Um, Mm -hmm. once she was on the show and, um, I don't know, sometimes I wonder like, if it, it, it could go south very quickly on these shows. Luckily, it seems like nothing has. But like the idea of putting strangers in a room together seems kind of um, it would be quite stressful for anyone in that situation. So I don't know. I, yeah. I, yeah, there's like so much to unpack there. I think I think season three out of all of them seemed the darkest, um, which made it for me not very enjoyable. It was just like they were very even with the Colleen and Matt situation and some speculation that came up around that. Yeah. It was just like, it seemed like that season was consistently very heavy. Um, and even Mm -hmm. the most villain person, Bartiste, him and Nancy's conflict was very surface level when you compare it to the undertones of what happened to some of the others besides maybe SK and Raven. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. You're right. Season three was dark. Mind you, it's two weeks now until Matt and Colleen are supposed to move in together. Remember, they said that they wanted to wait like a year. Oh my gosh. And a half, like two yes. Years. It's on my oh calendar. My so we'll see. <laughs> oh my. They're one of the couples that I'm surprised has stayed together. Like, there's just sometimes in life, like, some people just yeah. stay together, and you're like, I almost feel like that could happen with Chelsea and Kwame, where you're like, I totally didn't see this coming. Like, but I have friends that I'm like, when they started dating someone, I'm like, okay, like, maybe it's a fun thing. And then, like, five years later, I'm like, okay, I was wrong. They're. They're going strong. So, um, yeah. yeah, you never know. But, um, oh my gosh, well, mm-hmm. I'll have to have you on again if you're ever down for I Vanderpump Rules. It, my parents literally host a weekly get together where we watch the episodes. 
and like all of the siblings go and their partners and it's like a whole we order food and it's a whole thing so like I'd love to have you on and we'll have to talk about like the maybe when the reunion episodes start coming out that would be really fun to react I'd love that oh my god awesome maybe you have to join me for a recap show on my channel